And grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like us to go to the gospel reading this morning. And, um, you know, what an interesting account as uh, the disciples that are with Jesus uh, actually approach Jesus and ask him to teach them how to pray. Pretty awesome, huh? You have God right there in the flesh in their presence, and they can go to God visually in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and ask for instruction on prayer. I think it's just awesome. Well, in verses 9 through 13 of this text, these are the words that I would like us to focus on this morning. And Jesus says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And here ends this portion of our text. Well, I'd like to ask you a question this morning. If you could approach anyone in life, maybe someone that's lived in the past, or someone that is currently living. But as you think about the time, if that was a person in the past when they were living, if you could just call them up and they would instantly be there accessible to you. Is there somebody that you've kind of admired or you've just really uh, been impressed with some aspects of their lives and and you think, wow, it'd just be awesome to be able to communicate with that person. Well, one for me was uh, John Denver. And uh, growing up, uh, I just love John Denver's music and uh, has a lot of similar interests that I do. Uh, he's a, he was a pilot and, and I'm a private pilot, love the whole aerospace industry. And, and uh, he loved nature, uh, of course, and sang a lot about that. And um, I, I hope that he's in heaven. He kind of went down another road spiritually for a while, but in, in a number of his songs, uh, he, he really did bring in God, brought in the Bible. In fact, John Denver's favorite song, Another Connection, uh, he had a relative that, that uh, had a wheat farm, and John, in his early years, would go out on the wheat farm and, and work on that farm in the summer. I grew up on a wheat farm. But the uh, song Matthew, it's about his uncle, uh, that had a wheat farm. And, and the premise of the song is uh, his uncle lost everything through a tornado and natural disaster. By loving that song, the Bible was still there, solid as a stone. But, you know, I always dreamed, boy, it'd be so awesome just to be able to call up John Denver and say, hey, I really appreciate the music that you present and just like to get to know what your life is, is really all about. And of course, Hank, where's Hank this morning? Tina, Hank worked for United Airlines, but uh, uh, John Denver, his personal jet was a DC-8, which at that time was one of the largest commercial jets out there. And in Lincoln, Nebraska, he was at a concert there, and I actually uh, 
got to stand outside that jet, and ironically, John Denver walked up. So I actually did get to meet him one-on-one, -on -one briefly. Didn't invite me to the party on the jet, though. But think about who that person is in your life. But imagine if you could just call them up, and they would instantly be there, available to you, and, and, you, and they would give you their full attention. Well, whoever that may be on the human level, nowhere close to the Almighty God himself. And think about the significance of these words that Jesus brings to us this morning. He, the Son of God in the flesh, is directing us to come to him. His desire is that we come to him with all things, all matters, in our lives, and he affirms to us that we have his undivided full attention at any moment. But here's the question for us to ponder is, how often do we fail to appreciate that? How often do we kind of park our prayer life and, and fail to instantly bring all matters as God desires in our lives to him? And, and we couldn't hear better news, could we? That God desires that we bring everything to him in prayer. And Jesus, the very son of God, is the one speaking these words as we have heard them this morning. Well, as you think of that person, imagine uh, them contacting you. So you don't even have to contact them. They're initiating the contact with you. Or imagine uh, them living, uh, or they, that they're giving you encouragement then to return that favor and contact them. And imagine if they just emphasize to you that they are always available. Uh, what an incredible blessing God gives to us. Because he has affirmed to us all of these things. And so Jesus comes to us today at this very moment in his precious inerrant word as he directed these words in Luke to be written, this account to be preserved, and he is contacting you and me right now at this moment to encourage us to come to him immediately and ongoing in prayer. And he is always at the other end of the line. Isn't that awesome? And we don't even need a phone, do we? We don't need any technology. But the Lord is always available, desiring to hear from us. How often, though, do we forsake this privilege? You know, what a beautiful hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. And we think of, of life. Not easy. I think of Chris Bruning and Paula and losing their second of three sons in less than six months. I mean, horrifying things can happen in life. Life is tough. We live in a sin-corrupted, broken world. And that naturally is going to bring all kinds of different kinds of tragedies into our lives. Have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Are you weak and burdened? Are you cumbered with a load of care? Do, you, do your friends despise or forsake you? And what's the encouragement? Take it 
to the Lord in prayer. You know, it always saddens me. I guess in one respect, it's good finally people come to this conclusion. And I know it's in high emotional states when you hear this a lot of times, but have you ever seen it on the news? If there's been a major disaster, maybe a tornado goes through a community, several homes wiped out, and they're interviewing people, you know, that are their demolished home is behind them. And they ask them, well, what are you going to do now? And the common response a lot of times is this one, I guess all I can do now is pray. Now, it's good that people come to that conclusion, but it kind of makes prayer seem like the last thought, doesn't it? I guess, you know, all I can do now is pray. Well, failing to pray forfeits peace in our lives We can be living in all kinds of needless pain, certainly lives filled with discouragement, and and the sorrow just keeps piling up when we simply refuse to first and foremost take it to the Lord in prayer. God says, I can handle this. I'm here. I want to hear from you. But I think what comes into play here is God's character, isn't it? And, you know, I think of Chris, and I didn't hear this from Chris. I heard the very opposite when I visited with him. But I think somebody in that condition may, you know, we would, in our sinful condition, could begin to question God's character. God, if you really love me, why would you take two of my sons within less than six months of one another? And, you know, that discouragement then and questioning God's character could really take us down another path further away from God and just more discouragement. It's not always easy to trust God's character. And certainly when it seems like, right, that our prayers are not heard, maybe we've been very passionate and persistent in prayer, and it seems like nothing is changing. And maybe we're tempted to see God as kind of this passionless spectator that sort of looks over the world. Remember, I hated that song. I loved the melody and it always drew me in and then I listened to the words. No, I can't listen to that. Bette Midler's, um, and I just went blank on the song. From a distance, thank you. From a distance. And so the picture of the earth, kind of like the astronauts saw it from the moon, you know, beautiful blue ball and the premise of the song was that's how, Scott, how God sees the world. That's how he sees the world. He doesn't realize all the pain and brokenness and turmoil that is going on. He's just kind of this passionless spectator. Well, we certainly know that's not true, right? Here's Jesus Christ, God himself, in the flesh, in this world, in order to save us. What a flip-flop of how some perceive God's character Or do you ever see God less than? You know, less than friends or less than a loving parent. And it's kind of interesting the parable Jesus tells about this individual that suddenly has company show up late at night. So he doesn't have enough food. So he thinks, well, I'm going to go over to my friend's house and I'm going to knock on his door and he'll give me some food and we'll have enough for the, the guests that have come. And yet we hear the friend doesn't give the food because he's his friend. 
He gives it because he just wants to get him out of there, right? I don't want to have this guy knocking at my door all night. And then the other one uh, account Jesus, of course, talks about, you know, is a parent going to give their child a serpent instead of a fish? No loving parent would do that. And, and so do you see God, though, that way sometimes? You know, in our saint and sinner condition within our lives, we are tempted, I think, to go down that road. God, you just don't want me to have what's best. Well, if you are weak in or forsaking your prayer life, it's likely because you really question God's promises and you question his character. And I say that of me, too, because it happens to all of us at times. But here's the good news. God does teach us how to pray. But even before the Lord teaches us how to pray, he empowers us to be in a position that we see the privilege that we have in order to come to him in prayer in the first place. In other words, if we didn't have a relationship with God, we wouldn't even know him or understand him, nor would we seek him out or desire to seek his wisdom and counsel? But that's why Jesus came, right? He came to a world that was running away from God, kind of like a buffalo herd running to the edge of the cliff, and God runs after the herd and stops them before they go over the cliff. That's really the reality of our lives. Did you hear it in the epistle reading this morning? God says through Paul, you were dead in your trespasses. That was our condition. And certainly when we're dead spiritually, we're not going to turn to God in prayer. We have no desire to do that. But what a contrast. You were dead, but God made us alive. God has made us alive. He has forgiven us. And these words are incredible. I think we have them for the screen, Marlo, if you put them up there. Colossians 2, but uh, canceling the record of debt. I mean, this is so graphic that God has canceled the record of our debt, which is our sin. He set it aside and then, don't you love it, nailed it to the cross. Think about every sin that you've committed as I think about every sin I've committed. And Jesus took all those and nailed them to the cross as he was nailed to the cross. Because he took that burden on himself. Could we be loved any greater than that? You know, if we ever are tempted to question God's character or think that he's looking from a distance, we just need to look at the cross. I mean, you can't be any more intimate with the world in our sinful condition than the cross. And Jesus willfully put himself in that position. So our sin taken away, God sees everything within us. When he looks at us now as forgiven sinners, he sees his son and he has disarmed all that would attempt to separate us from him. And so we live in security in this relationship that we had no part in establishing. But by God's grace, he established it with us. And so in verses 6 and 7 of Colossians 2, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Isn't that just an incredible statement? Rich words that by God's intervention, he has established you and me in the faith. I mean, think about the significance of those words. And he describes what that is. We are rooted and built up in Christ. So our roots now are in Christ who has saved us. And being rooted in Christ like a plant nurtures that plant, empowers that plant to go and bear fruit. And we now are blessed to walk in Christ. And so this is the relationship God has established. And in that then, he gives us the privilege to pray and the empowerment to pray. Powerful stuff. And so Luke 11, 13, as we look at that, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And you know, it's always wonderful to put the gospel accounts together as you have the witnesses that were there and heard Jesus speak these words. In Matthew's account, we have good things. And here, Jesus says, Holy Spirit. Does that mean he said different things? No, it's it's putting it together. The point is that God, whatever he gives to us is for our good. He's never gonna give something to us that's gonna harm us. Do you ever think that you pray for things that would bring harm on your life and we don't even know it? And God says no to those prayers. But that is an answer and it is a heard prayer, but God desires we only have good things and good things from his perspective. It may not seem good from ours, but it's good in the sense that it's going to continue to build and strengthen our faith and draw us closer to him. And of course, the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, right? And through the Holy Spirit, the new life given and the empowerment through the Spirit dwelling in us to pray. You know, in Romans 8, if we don't know what to pray, guess who steps in and prays on our behalf? The Holy Spirit. You may want to read Romans 8 today. It's pretty awesome. And and so the Lord says, ask him. To those who ask him. It's not complicated. God is just out there with open arms saying, ask me. And you know, really, in essence, what prayer is, if you want to just sum up prayer, it's a seeking of an alignment of of God, of our will with God's will. Have you ever thought of prayer that way? That, That when we pray, we're really seeking. God's will. And it's an incredible gift the Lord gives. Philip Yancey, an author on a great book on prayer, uh, I'm quoting from him. It's in the bulletin, by the way, in the sermon notes, I believe. But in prayer, I ask for and gradually gain trust in God's love and justice and mercy and holiness, despite all that might call those traits into question. That's really important because in our sinful condition, those things can be clouded by what happens in our lives. I immerse myself in the changeless qualities of God and then return to do my part in acting out 
those qualities on earth. And then he quotes the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever think about that as you pray the Lord's Prayer? Uh, you know, that we're really asking for the alignment of our will to be with God's will. And we are called to do that with persistence. Persistence. And impudence, that's, that's quite a word. It really means boldness. And almost a cocky boldness is literally what that word means. And, and the Lord wants us to come with that boldness, that persistence, banking on his character, his love for us. And so it, it's growing in the right motive in that persistence. Through prayer, we can really grow. As we continue to communicate with God, as we continue to find out and seek what his will is, but most of all, we bask in security. The security that God's only going to give what is good for for our lives and the lives of others. Well, in conclusion, I want to read from Martin Luther on prayer on this text. And he writes, Christ also wants to indicate that because of all the temptations and hindrances we face, nothing is more necessary in Christendom than continued and unceasing prayer that God would give his grace and spirit. Sums it up there, that really the the foundation and essence of our prayers is that God would give us his grace and his spirit. Well, we are his precious little lambs. The Lord's just holding us close to his heart. And uh, there, boy, is that a picture of love and security? That's what our lives are as God's children. And think of that little lamb there. Can bring anything to his master, to his shepherd that he so desires. And the shepherd is right there to listen. That's our Lord. And we are those precious little lambs. May we, dear friends, use the privilege that God provides us, not as a last resort, but the very first thing. In the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds always in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.